You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. Grab your Bibles, if you would. Romans chapter 6 is where we're going to spend all of our time today. God's got something special in store for you as you turn your attention to His Word. Happy Easter. I'm glad you made it here. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, Four or five services, and we've still got energy. We can do it. And I'm grateful for you for being here. Thank you for making making this Easter something special. I didn't want to bring a a typical Easter message because I don't feel like we're a typical church, and I don't feel like this is a typical Easter Sunday. And that's for a a wealth of reasons, but it's not a typical day, so I'm going to bring you something that I think will will help you to do what I feel like is our our biggest issue that we really need to solve uh, in the the global body of Christ. It's important. I think it's going to help you. It's going to bless you. And so um, I want to bring a message today called Greater Than the Grave. And we're going to answer this question, what in the world does Easter have to do with me? I think many of us have stories that we've read about in the Bible, things that we've memorized, but we don't really know how it applies to us. We're not walking in the full weight, the full measure of what God's word says is the full weight and full measure. And so this is not a typical Easter. It's not gonna be a typical message because we're dealing with several things that are not typical. And I found this to be true. Let me just pull back the curtain on my pastoring real quick. And let me just tell you this. I found that it's been harder pastoring people out of a pandemic than it was pastoring them in it. It's been hard because the fallout of two and a half years of isolation and anxiety and constant fear, you're dealing with it. You don't understand the weight of what's happening at that moment until days like today and weeks like this week and years like this year. We're like, okay, I'm not okay. I'm not well. We've been dealing with fear and anxiety and isolation it's um, just a matter of time before those chickens come home to roost and you got issues. And so I don't think a typical Easter message is gonna help when we're all on the same page dealing with something uh, that we've never dealt with before. Here's another reason why I'm not gonna preach you a typical message is because we've seen over the past two and a half years that all of us, me, you, and all of us included, we got some trust issues. Somebody say amen. amen. We've got some trust issues. Now, some of you are like, yeah, I, I have a hard time trusting pastors, trusting the church. I get it. I get it, it's been said. But bigger than that, we've got global trust issues. You've got yours, I've got mine. All of us have wondered over the past couple of years, who can I trust? Can I trust the media? Can I trust the news? Can I trust the information? Can I trust the WHO, the CDC, my government, their government? Can I trust the narrative? Can I trust the science? Can I trust the mask? Can I trust the mandate? Can I trust the vaccine? Can I trust it? And over the past two and a half years, we've been like, I got no clue. You may say you know, but you don't know. And guess what? Neither do they. We all say that we know, but we don't know. We've got trust issues. We don't know who to believe. Who's telling the truth? And so we'll say foolish things like, hey, trust your gut. (laughs) Like my gut can't even handle milk. Like I'm just telling you, I can't handle spicy food after six o'clock and I'm Mexican. Trust your gut. Like, you, no, you don't, you don't want that. It's a public health issue. You don't want that. Trust your gut. We are dealing with fallout. We've got some major trust issues, but perhaps the single most important reason 
that we're not bringing a typical Sunday morning Easter message is because we've seen a major deficit in the ability of, of the body of Christ to take scripture and apply it to themselves. What I've seen over the past two and a half years is people that call themselves believers take scripture and apply it to somebody else. Or will tell you what we think it means and never allow the scripture to be held up like a mirror. So what do we do with Easter? What do we do with the story of the death and the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ? What do we do with that? How does it apply to me? What does it have to do with my life? Some guy that gets hung on a cross, I get it. It's a good story. Might make a good movie. That doesn't have anything to do with me. I've got my life. That's because we don't understand the power of what happened, much less walking in the power of what God has given us. What does Easter have to do with me? A lot, a lot. But our world and believers in our world have lost the power that exists in this story. And it's time to get back to the basics of understanding what the cross means to me today. So I wanna give you some things, if you, if you don't mind, um, three things that I believe will help us to understand what Easter means to us. And, and the good news is that um, we're not alone. In Romans chapter six, the apostle Paul breaks this down to a group of believers in Rome and he begins to share with them not just the story of the, of the cross, but what it has done for us. And then he gives them clear ways to communicate it with the world. And he tells them this starting in chapter six, verse nine. He says, this is what we know. We know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. That means you're not gonna put him back up on the cross every time you sin. He died once. He says, death has no longer mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. Somebody say all. That means even you. If we could put it together, we would say y'all in the Texas International Version. He died for all y'all. But it says the life he lives, he lives to God. So in the same way, and it's important that we understand that, in the same way, how are we supposed to respond to the cross? This is what he's saying. This is what Jesus did. So this is our response. He says, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. That's important. I wanna break down what that means. Dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God. There's your response. I think when we look at the story of grace, it's easy for us to say, I've got to get out of jail free card. I can do what I want because God's going to forgive me. He said, no, 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 no. You know what you do with grace? You offer yourself to God. He says this, as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. What a powerful mandate. He says, give God every part of you. Not most, all. And then he makes a powerful statement which we can take as a promise of God. God says this, for, for sin shall no longer be your master. How? He said, because you're no longer under the law. You're under grace. So what in the world does Easter 
What does that story tell me? I wanna give you three things that are really important. They should be at the basics of every believer's theology. You have to know this. We have to go back to the basics to make sure that you have a good understanding of what this is telling you and what it means to you so that you can clearly communicate it to a world that desperately needs the story of the cross of Christ. Christians don't know how to tell it. You ever watch somebody mess up the story? Like they're telling the story and they mess it up. Like that's not, you're telling it wrong. I do that constantly. I love to tell stories. I love to be in good conversations. And then someone will jump in like, oh yeah, I remember that time that that happened. That was cool. You're like, no, there's so much more in that story. Like get, get into the story, tell it right. We don't know how to tell it right. We don't understand the power of the cross and what it means and what it can do. So Paul lays it out for us and it gives us three things. If you're a note taker, you might wanna write this down. This will help you. Number one, it tells us that because of the cross of Christ, that number one, I have a perfect example. I have a perfect example. Why is that important? How in the world does that apply to 2022? Let me tell you how it applies because we've run out of heroes. We canceled them all. And those that you still like, just a matter of time, canceled. Why? Because they're human. We make mistakes. You make mistakes. I, believe it or not, make mistakes. Now, I'm married to a perfect woman who makes no mistakes. I make double to make up for her. I make mistakes and we cancel everybody. We need a better version of a hero. We need, a, we need somebody to look up to. And there aren't anybody. There's nobody left. Trust me, I grew up in an age where he idolized Bill Cosby. We're afraid to even say, yeah. yeah. You liked him too. Don't I? Like, when he sold them Jell-O pudding pots, I'm like, I need that. <laughs> I need that. We canceled J.K. Rowling, Harry Potter, can't do that. We canceled Will Smith because apparently you can't slap people. Who knew that? I promise you this. My mom still doesn't know that. <laughs> like, this will get you canceled, mom. It doesn't matter. This is how they learn. We were, I was raised on the west side of the kingdom. I hadn't been saved that long. And I'm just telling you, slap was just a form of communication. That means, oh, listen, that's what that meant. Didn't know you get people canceled. I talked to my mom one time and I said, hey, how was your day? Because my mom was a teacher and she said, I got fired today. I'm like, why would you get fired? She said, because I slapped a kid. I'm like, I have no problem believing that. I've seen it happen. I said, what did he do? He said, he bit me. I'm like, deserves a slap. He should have learned. That's how you learn, right? <laughs> Apparently, we didn't understand that. We don't have a lot of heroes. There's not a lot of perfect people that you can look up to, and your parents weren't perfect, and here's a clue, neither are you. We need someone to look up to, and there's not a single perfect person in history except Jesus. I have a perfect example in Christ, one that you can't argue with. He lived a life above sin. And in an age of cancellation, that's a big deal. And Paul says this, in the same way, the same way that Jesus died to sin, he said, you need to consider yourself dead to sin too. Above its desires, above its appetites, you don't have to live, he says, with sin as your master any longer. He said, you can walk in freedom. How do we do that? It's through Jesus. Count yourselves, he says, dead to sin, alive in Christ. It's him. It's all about Jesus. 
He gives us freedom that we can walk into because of Christ. That's the story of Easter, the story of freedom purchased for you. I found this to be true, that when I focus my attention on what God wants and what I want and who I think I am, that begins to change. In the 1400s, um, in what is now considered Belgium, there was two brothers. Uh, one was the king, his name is Renald, and he had a brother named Edward. Now, Edward was incredibly jealous of Renald and didn't think Renald was a good leader at all because Renald had a problem with his appetite. He ate and ate and ate, and he was fatter and fatter and fatter as the years went on. And Edward, his brother, would look at him like, gosh, how can you lead people when you can't even control yourself? And they began to develop a nickname for his older brother, and they called him Crassus, which in their language means really fat. Some of you are like, I'm taking that name, Crassus. And I'm gonna use, like, don't do that at home. You, the slap thing, remember that? that? Don't do it. He calls his brother Crassus and makes fun of him because his brother gets bigger and bigger and bigger as a slave to his own appetites. And finally, one day, Edward has had enough. He raises up an army and he takes over the kingdom from his brother. He says, I'm gonna rule this kingdom. But he does something with his brother that you'll only find in one place in history. He does something crazy. He takes his brother, and instead of putting him to death or putting him in prison, he builds a room inside of their castle and puts his brother inside of it with no locking door, no bars on the windows. And he tells his brother, I will give you the kingdom back. You will take your rightful place on the throne. I will give you everything that you lost. All you have to do is fit through that door, a normal-sized human door. And then every day, his brother would send him his favorite foods. So people began to tell King Edward, you're cruel. That's cruel. Why would you do that to your brother? And Edward looks back and responds to them. He says, my brother can walk in freedom anytime he chooses to. Anytime he chooses to. But he constantly chooses his appetites over his rights to rule. I wonder if we look at that story and apply ourselves to the story, how many times have our appetites kept us living in a cage that Jesus has let us out of? I'll say it this way, our sinful appetites keep us from walking in the freedom that Christ provides. You've got yours, I've got mine. They may look different from each other, but sin is sin. And it keeps us from walking into freedom. And unfortunately, we choose it every day. And Jesus says, you can walk in freedom anytime you choose to. How? Jesus says, I'm the door. I'm the door. Because of the cross of Christ, we have a perfect example in Jesus. Here's the second thing that Easter tells us, the way it applies to us. Not only do I have a perfect example, but number two, I have great value. I've got great value. Now, Here's the thing, um, most of us, I think, can say that and agree with that statement, I've got great value, but that's because some of us think way too much of ourselves. It's just your world and the rest of us are living in it. Everything revolves around you, it's all about you. But then there's people on the other side that think the world would be a better place if they weren't here at all. We think too much of ourselves, we don't think enough of ourselves. Why? Because we don't understand what our worth is. We don't understand value. So when Paul says, I want you to offer yourself to God, for some of us, it's like, why would, why would he want this? This is worthless. 
For others of us, like, you know what? This is a pretty good deal, God. You're getting, me at a, you're getting me at a good time. I got a lot of good things I can offer you. We don't understand value. We don't understand what it means to offer yourself to God in this way. So when I was four, I went to a pastor's meeting with my dad, which sounds way more exciting. Actually, it does not sound exciting at all. It was not good. It's just a bunch of guys talking, like today. Thank you for not saying amen there. I appreciate it. I love you. You're my favorite service. I went to this pastor's meeting and it was just bad. It was boring until I noticed that the, in the lobby of, of this pastor's uh, conference, uh, there was a man that was selling candy. And uh, I began to, to notice and watch that kids began to hand him quarters and he would give them back a package of lifesavers. This kind of dates me and let you know how old I am. And they used to cost 25 cents. Inflation. I get it. And so I watched them handing him quarters. He's giving them back packs of lifesavers. And I'm like, where can I find one of these things that he's given? And I start looking under pews, looking around the church. And I finally found a button. And I grabbed a button. I thought, this is, maybe this will work. I walk up to the counter, not understanding value, not understanding the concept of money because hashtag homeschooled. <laughs> nobody? Hashtag Gilmer High School. No, nobody. <laughs> and I hand the guy behind the counter a button. And he kind of looks at me funny. I'm like, can I have some lifesavers? And he starts laughing. He's like, you know what, young man? Of course you'd have lifesavers. So he hands me lifesavers. He's like, thank you, that's a good deal. It, that was the very beginning of my criminal activity, which I did get better at for a while. <laughs> I hand him a button. He hands me back lifesavers. And by the way, at that moment, that pastor's convention got way more interesting. Add a little bit of sugar, I'm in. And then I noticed the guy who left from behind the counter and he, he finds my dad. He knows who I am, knows who my dad is, and I watch as he's telling the story to my dad. He holds up the button, and he's laughing, and my dad starts laughing and shaking his head like, I'm sorry. My dad reaches in his pocket and grabs the guy uh, a quarter and hands it to him. The guy's like, no, 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 it's fine. I don't even want the quarter. I think it's a great story. He handed me a button. I'm like, sure, why not? And my dad comes over to me. He's like, did you give this guy a button for some lifesavers? I'm like, yeah, it's a good trade. <laughs> and it's funny how we'll look at that story of a kid that doesn't understand value, doesn't understand worth, and think that the value of the lifesavers is in the button, but the value of the gift was not in the button, but in who my father is. And I want you to understand that because of the death of Christ, God can now look upon people that have received that gift, and he doesn't see them by their sin, he doesn't see them by their worthlessness or by their ego. He sees them through the lens of the death of his son, which makes us incredibly valuable to the father. But that value is not based on what we know. It's not based on what we have or what we don't have. What you've done or the toys that you have at your disposal, your value is based upon your relationship with God and the acceptance of his son. My dad used to preach a message that says, God when you accept his son, God now sees you through sun glasses. It was, it was a weird dad joke at the time, but it stuck with me because I recognized how powerful it was in that moment for God not to just see me as my sin, but to see me through his son as something worth dying for. I have great value. And our great value is not what we know, have, or have done, but in who our father is. It's our relationship with God that brings our life value. David echoes this in Psalm 73. He said, God, your, your nearness 
That's my good. That's everything that's good about me. It's in my relationship with you. You're my good. So what does the Easter story tell me? It tells me that I've got a perfect example in Jesus. It tells me I have great value through Jesus. And then number three, it tells me that I have amazing grace. We've used those words a lot in church circles and still don't understand what they mean. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. You might sing the song, might know the lyrics. What do you do with them? How do they apply to your life? Amazing grace. We throw around the word amazing a lot. Everything's amazing. You should have tasted it. It was amazing. You should have seen the outfit. It was amazing. You should have gone to church. It was amazing. And everything's amazing until nothing is. You know what's amazing about grace? First of all, is that it's free. By the way, I have a statement. Free is better than cheap. <laughs> Somebody say amen. Some cheapskates say amen. Hashtag cheapskate. Free is better than cheap. I'm working in ministry. We're a nonprofit. You've got to find a way. Free is better than cheap. And it's good that it's free because the price has gone up on everything else. Hashtag inflation. Everything goes up in price except for grace, which means that's a level playing field for all mankind. Grace for me and for you. It says you're no longer under the law, but under grace. What does that mean? He said no longer are you held to the fact that you can't get to God unless you follow the rules. That's what religion is. He said grace, because of Jesus, gives you a relationship with God where we understand you can't keep the rules on your best day. See, at the time that Jesus approaches his death and the burial, those 10 commandments that God gave to Moses become 613. I don't know about you, but being raised hardcore Pentecostal, that 613 was for beginners. Because as soon as you thought you could finally get a grasp on all the things you were supposed to do or weren't supposed to do, they changed the goal line. They'd invent something new. Now it's how you wear your hair. Now it's how long your dress is. Now it's if your shoes are open-toed or not. And it's funny how 99% of them applied to women. It's true. And then we would change words, like you couldn't even use the right verbiage. Like you couldn't say swimming, it's mixed bathing. That sounds weird. Mixed bathing. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Ooh, Pentecostal. I got baptized 11 times when I was a kid because I just wanted to swim. They'd put you down and you'd get the Holy Ghost and you'd swim around, do Marco Polo for a couple minutes, come back up and be like, hey, I'll get baptized again same time next week so I can get in the water. Religion and rules that drives me away from the church because I couldn't keep up and I certainly couldn't measure up. Even as a pastor's kid, I can't handle that kind of pressure to keep up all the appearances. Thank God for grace to step in when I couldn't even help myself. And when I couldn't get to God, he came to me. And he offers me grace, amazing grace, to pay for my sin and invite me into a relationship with him. When Paul says you're no longer under the law, you're under grace. 
When he uses the word, that law has become your master and death has been your master and sin is your master and hell has been your master. I love how he uses that word over and over again. It's the Greek word kuriuo, which means the legal rights to. Now, wars will be fought for people's rights. I have the right to this. You have the things that you own, the things that you have the legal right to. You could take it to court right now and say, wait, this is my house. I bought this house. These are my children. I have papers that prove that these are my children. I have legal rights over their life. I have this piece of property, this land, this business. That's mine. I own that. Or you may have people that you've been in competition with that you, that you beat them or they beat you and they'll say stuff like, I own you, Right? I have an uncle that I've played golf with for over 30 years, and I have never beaten that guy until about four years ago. I beat him for the first time in 30 years, but you better believe at the end of that last putt, I looked at him and said, I own you. (laughs) Was it true? No, but it was true that day. That day, I own you. And Paul says, look at this. Until Christ gets out of that grave, death owns you. Your sin, you can't pay for. That law, it owns you. The grave owns you. But Jesus comes and cancels the rights of legal ownership to all of those things that we could not pay for on our best day with our best behavior with grace. Grace. And then in that moment, does Jesus look at you and say, now I own you? No, Paul says, now, in response to that, offer yourself to God. He didn't buy you to own you. He purchased you so that you would offer yourself back to him freely. That's grace. And it's amazing. So as we look at the story of Easter and how it applies to our life, as we personalize it and bring ourselves into the stories, we recognize what Paul is saying to the church and to believers still applies to today. We can bring ourselves up to a single point where we say, now I know it, I understand it. Here's the question, what do you do with it? How does it apply to you when you understand it? So hopefully you're here today because you have a relationship with Jesus Christ You say, look, sin no longer has mastery over me. I'm not perfect, but I'm trying to understand grace. I've been walking in accordance to my relationship with God. But for many of us still, we've come to a place where we may understand the story, but we've never walked in freedom. We've never done more than say a few words or go to a church service. We've never done more than try to keep the rules, at least in public, you know, Don't drink, don't smoke with you, don't run with the girls that do. That's the extent of your relationship with God. What does it take for us to really honestly turn our lives over to God, to be fully surrendered to him? What will it take for you? As we're finishing up today, I was drawn to a scripture this week in Exodus chapter eight. And if you know the story, Moses has gone into Pharaoh and said, let my people go. Pharaoh was the ruler of Egypt and he had the Israelite people as his slaves. Slaves. But God said, I want you to deliver my people from slavery. Moses says, let them go. Pharaoh says, I will not do it. I'm not gonna lose my workforce. That's foolish. I'm not letting them go. 
And then God begins to send one plague after the next upon their family. You're gonna let my people go. They're gonna walk in freedom. They're gonna walk in victory. They're gonna worship me. They are finished working for you. Let my people go. Now, as you're looking at the story of the plagues, you may remember some of those in your mind from from Sunday school. You may remember being told those at some point, but all kinds of devastating things began to hit the land. Horrible instances and circumstances that began to test Pharaoh and and, and, uh, push him towards the place where he finally broke. And you may have the one that you look at and you're like, that's a horrible plague. But when I look at one, one sticks out to me worse than the others, and that's the plague of frogs. Frogs. Now, this is not just, hey, this is a couple of Louisiana frogs that we say, oh, that's a cute frog. No, 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 this is a plague of frogs. They are everywhere. They're in their food. They're in their cabinets. They're in your toilet. They're in your cribs. They're in your bed. Everything is jumping and come alive. Can you imagine the grossness? Frogs everywhere, over and over and over again. Frogs, frogs, frogs. Can you imagine the noise? Imagine the, can you imagine trying to sleep in that with things jumping on you and the noise, the constant noise? And finally, Pharaoh looks at Moses and he says, enough, enough. All right, all right, I'll break. And look at this in, in, verse, uh, in verse nine. Moses said to Pharaoh, I will leave you the honor of setting the time for me to pray that you and your houses may be rid of the frogs. I'm gonna let you set the time. You tell me when you want all these frogs to disappear and they're gonna disappear. And Pharaoh says the stupidest thing that you're gonna find in the Bible. Look at this in verse 10. He says, tomorrow. (laughs) Tomorrow. How ridiculous is that? Wouldn't you say, right now, I want this to stop. He says, now tomorrow. How ridiculous would it be to have the option of ending it any time that you wanted to, walking into freedom from all of that plague, but you say, Tomorrow. And yet, this is what many of us still do with the message of Easter. I will respond to that later on. And we assume that we have something that the Bible never promises us, time. Time. I'll get right with God someday. I'll come back to God someday. I'll submit my heart someday. Maybe tomorrow. Maybe tomorrow I'll start living for the Lord. Maybe tomorrow I'll ask for forgiveness. Maybe tomorrow I'll ask for his grace. But today, I'm not quite at the end of my frustration yet. I still got a little bit more. There's some things I wanna do tomorrow. And this is where we miss the point. You can walk into freedom anytime that you choose to because of the cross of Christ. Unfortunately, that time is limited. So if I've done my job correctly, then today is a day where you have to make a decision. Jesus wants to be Lord of your life. He wants to be Lord of all of your life. And whether you've never, ever asked Jesus to pay for your sins or whether you've been away from God and you need to come home, there's a moment where you need to make a decision of what you're going to do with this message. I want you to know if someone invited you here for the first time today or if you've been away from God, you've just come back today, I'm so happy that you're here. This service is for you. I want you to know this as well. People have been praying for you. People have been fasting for you for this moment that you would listen to what I'm gonna say. As we finish up today, I wanna ask you, can today be your day where you stop running? Can today be the day where you walk in freedom? And what's it gonna take? 
for you to develop a relationship with God where you receive this gift and it becomes more than just a story in your head but a relationship in your heart. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Perhaps today you're willing to take that step with me and I want you to know and I'm not gonna embarrass you in any way. I would never do that but I wanna help you like somebody helped me one time. I was far away from God and somebody loved me enough to tell me the truth, to explain it to me in a way that I could understand, and it changed my life forever. I was an addict, and I could not fix myself. I needed help. And it was the help that only Jesus could give me. I needed a new heart. And the moment that I turned my life over to Jesus, he began to change me. And he wants to do the same for you if you'll let him. You may say, okay, pastor, how do I do that? You do it like this. I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. I want you to pray this prayer with me right where you are. Pray this with me. Take this step. Pray this prayer. It goes like this. Say, Jesus. Come on, say it. Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I believe that you came. You died, but rose again so that I could have grace grace to cover my sin. I ask you to come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I give myself to you right now. I pray this with me, friends. Say, Jesus, I don't want to live my life my way anymore. I give it to you. In your name I pray. With every head bowed and every eye closed, my friend, if that was you and you actually prayed that prayer with me, if you would say, I did it, if that was you, let me just see a quick wave all across this place. Give me a nice wave if you would. That was me, Pastor. I did that good. Anyone else say, good, I see you. Anyone else today? I prayed that prayer with you, Pastor. I took that step. If you're watching online and that was you and you, you just prayed that prayer with me, do me a favor. Tell us in the chat. Say, I prayed. And then I'd like to ask you to take the next step, which is through a text. Would you text the word, I prayed, all one word, I prayed, to 844-HRC-TEXT. If you do that, we're gonna send you some things that will help you understand what just happened in your heart and what to do next. It's our free gift to you. We're not selling your information. We just wanna be part of your faith journey. We wanna help you, just like somebody helped us. We're extremely proud of you. Good for you. Well, Highridge family, go ahead and look up at me if you would and stand to your feet. We already have seven people responding to the gospel today, and we think that's a pretty big deal. Come on, that's a pretty big deal. I love seeing people take that first step. We have our elders and their wives coming forward. These guys are gonna be here to pray for you if you need prayer for anything. Also, we have a special Easter gift for you. It's very exclusive for today. It is a free gift that we're gonna provide for everyone that was able to be here in service. Today is the drop of my first book. So this is your gift. You, you can't buy it, even with a button. I'm not gonna tell you. <laughs> it's our gift to you. I want you to know, you need to make sure that you understand this. None of the proceeds for the sale of this book go back to me. I do not take any money. This is my gift to the church. This is our gift to you. All the proceeds raised go to here for the ministry that happens as part of this church. And uh, that's what we believe. If you honor God with the first fruits of what he's given you, he'll redeem the rest. And so this is our first attempt at saying, God, this is yours. Do with it what you want. So it's our free gift to you. If you have kids that you're checking out of our um, kids uh, area, uh, there are 200 copies of that over there. You're more than welcome to take one. Each of them is signed with the words that say, thank you. And please hear me. 
Thank you. Thank you for your support for making stuff like this happen. Thank you for being here. Thank you for inviting your friends. Thank you for trusting me with that. It means the world to me. It really does. Thank you for celebrating Easter here. We believe that God is gonna take this message and help you to accomplish great things because of it. If you're watching online, you liked what you heard today, do us a favor, share the message if you would. Use your social media influence to share the gospel of Jesus. It matters. It makes a difference. We have people every week that will write in from all over the world and say, I pray today. That's only because of you. Do us that favor if you would. For everyone else, let me pray for you and send you out. Father, I thank you for my friends. I thank you for this Easter. I pray that they would walk in your grace all week long. In Jesus' name, And everybody said together one big loud, amen. God bless you as you go. Hope you have an awesome Easter week. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you want to be a part of our online community, connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit HighRidgeLV.com give. We appreciate your support and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week and we will see you next time.